Thank you for listening to the Motion City Church Podcast. This week we are starting a special two-part conversation about depression, anxiety, mental illness, and hope. It's a series we are calling Out of the Pit. Let's listen in. Well, once again, good morning, Motion City Church. My name is Steve. I haven't gotten the chance to meet you yet. I'm the lead pastor here. We are just so excited, so honored that you're with us this morning because uh, this morning we are diving in. We are beginning a very important two-week conversation. And what I want to say on the forefront is this. I understand and, and am fully aware that the things we are about to talk about deserve more than two weeks. We will be... My prayer is that as we kind of do an overview of the topic of depression, anxiety, mental health, and, and hope, my, my prayer is that um, as we kind of do the, the overview of, of a few different topics, dive into the Word of God, my prayer is that through the conversation that, that strength would rise up within you as you begin maybe to take those next steps towards healing, towards um, processing, maybe in a more healthy way, uh, maybe than you have before. And so um, the, the, the conversation we've entitled is called Out of the Pit, and, um, and we're just going to be talking about uh, depression, anxiety, mental health, and hope. And, and, and the question that I have been asked numerous times, the question that I've even asked myself is, why do a series like this? Why do a series like this? And well, honestly, having been someone who has battled depression most of his life, and over the last three years specifically, as we kind of endeavored along this church planning experience, I have begun to see the ripple effects of my depression, uh, of, of my illness, of my sickness, begin to take root or affect the members of my family. And so, and, and, and then as growing up, as I became honest with the fact that depression is something that I deal with, and, and, battle through, um, oftentimes when there are other people who deal with the same issues that maybe we do, the same issue that I do, most often I become the person that other people point to people and say, well, you should just talk to him. And so I've had years of conversations. I've had years of, of reading books. I've had years of just taking the time to listen. And as I've seen the ripple effects of depression, of anxiety, go through my family, and then being in youth ministry almost 10 years, seeing a generation of young people so um, absorbed into uh, this depressive, oppressive, anxious mind state. The, The question became very clear is not, why would we do a series like this? But the question for me became, why has it taken us so long to talk about this? I don't think as the church universal, but for us as a church. The question isn't why do this series, but why has it taken me so long to want to talk about this? And as we walk through this, and as I've walked through this, and as I have prayed, and, and as, as maybe you're someone who has walked through depression, and as I've walked through depression specifically this last year, this last year was a rough one. Planting this church is talking to uh, counselors, talking to doctors. My eyes and my, the eyes of my wife and I, we were, the, the, our eyes have been so open to the reality that there's so many people who deal with, statistically one in four people, deal with depression, anxiety, or some form of mental illness. I mean, the truth is you could count yourself as one and you get to four, and statistically, that person who you land on as number four has dealt with some sort of, or is dealing with some sort of mental health issue. I mean, I have seen marriages struggle, survive, and fail through, the topic, through this topic. And again, like I said, I've seen so many children, so many teenagers, so many college students struggle and deal with depression and anxiety, and it breaks my heart. And and I have to think that there is something that we are doing as a culture, as a society, that is contributing to the higher numbers of people who, who have to deal with this on a day-to-day basis. But as we face the facts, and honestly, there's a lot of facts, as I have faced the facts, as I have done the research, as I have read the books— There's a choice that I have to make. Like There's a choice that all of us have to make. Do we simply acknowledge the facts and sit in their reality, 
Or can we have a perspective to see beyond the facts and see that specifically and especially as people of faith, there is hope on the other side? And maybe there's not hope on the other side for you quite yet, but can I say that there's hope in the midst of? That God will not leave you nor forsake you, so no matter what you're going through and no matter what you've been through, God is with you in the midst, in the midst of the worst and in the midst of the best. God is faithful. He is faithful. So what I want to do over the next two weeks is what I hope happens is that we would just begin a discussion. That we would kind of remove the stigma of that this is something that is beyond the, the confines or beyond the conversation of a church lobby or a discussion time or over, over dinner or amidst a community group. Is that we would remove the stigma, but that we would acknowledge the fact that depression and anxiety and mental health, it's an illness just like every other illness. There's nothing unique or special about depression or anxiety or mental health. It's simply an illness. And it's an illness that we need to deal with. And what I want you to know is if you are dealing with this and you have dealt with this illness by yourself, you don't have to. We have begun very clearly and very specifically and very strategically saying that this is a place that it is totally fine for you not to be fine. The church should be a safe place for us to discuss these things. The church should be a safe place for us to dive into the worst of who you think you are because we believe we don't believe that who you what describes you defines you. We believe that your identity has been established in the person of God from Genesis 1:26, right? But guys, Bible study. Genesis 1:26, God lays out your identity. So what describes you doesn't define you, but God identifies you as his own and so you don't have to deal with this by yourself. You no longer have to deal with depression, anxiety, or a mental health issue alone anymore. Because what I am saying is that as long as you're at this church, and as long as you are a part of this community, we want to walk with and deal with and encourage you and cheer you on. So you don't have to hide it. This is a place where we don't hide things. We are painfully vulnerable and irrevocably authentic with the good and with the bad. And the difficulty so often is, as I grew up, I, I kind of make a joke, but I grew up in the 90s where the church just seemed to be against everything. And, uh, and so when I was honest and, and, and when I was saying, yeah, I deal with this depression, there was such a, a negative, again, a negative stigma around the topic of mental health that so often it was just kind of like, well, we, we kind of reduced it as a church to a spiritual problem. And so the, 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 if it's a spiritual problem, the answers must be spiritual, then, well, you know, you just need to pray more. You just need to pray more. You just need to, you know what, you need to, you need to read your Bible more. You know what, you, you, I know you're a part of one group. You should probably sign up for one group for every day of the week and be involved in a group because obviously you're not a, as fully devoted of a follower of Jesus as you thought you once were because if you were, you wouldn't be dealing with it. And can I just tell you that's crap. crap. And it's a lie. Well, my prayer is that through this conversation over the next two weeks that there would be a strength that wells up inside of you to take the proper healthy steps forward and hopefully that you would begin to deal with the issue that if we're just honest when we say we're dealing with it, we're not dealing with it, but it's dealing with us. If we were dealing with it, we'd be dealing with it. And so what I want to do is I want to give us a, a quick just overview of the series. Um, it comes from the Bible. We like the Bible here. We, we're, we're huge advocates of it. So, um, so if we're going to talk about anything, hopefully it's from the Bible. Um, but Psalm chapter 40, verses 1 through 3, I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. It says this. The psalmist said, I waited patiently for the Lord to help me. And he turned to me and he heard my cry. He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and out of the mire. He set my feet on solid ground and steadied me as I walked along. He has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what he has done and be amazed. They will put 
their trust in the Lord. That is what I want to see happen. I want to see God lift people out of the pits that they find themselves in. I want to see them se- I want to see God set their feet upon the rock, upon the sturdy ground. And I want to see God begin to put a new song in people's hearts. And, and you're like, man, here's the deal. I'm not musical at all. That is fine. But what happens when, when the psalmist talks about, I want to see God put a new song in my heart, what he's saying is, I want God to impart something so real and so deep within me that the outflow, the overflow of what God has done simply just comes out of who I am. And so if you can't sing, don't. We appreciate it. But from the outflow of what God has done, man, our words our actions, the way that we speak about and to other people, the way that we love others in the midst of the difficulty, the way that we, that we walk with people in the midst of the painful and the misunderstood, the way that we do, I mean, that is an overflow of what God has done in our lives. And so if there's a new song in your heart and you're, and you're just like, write it down. Maybe we'll sing it on a Sunday morning. Who knows? But from... What God does inside of us, as it begins to overflow out of us, man, this is what the psalmist said, it's our response. It's our reaction. It's our, it's our, it's our pray, it's our, it's our life of praise and worship to God for what he's done in us. And so here's the basics. I want to get, I just want to lay out the basics. Mental illness. It's a medical condition disrupting a person's thinking, feeling, mood, and ability to relate to others and and, it's, and their daily functioning. Um, again, the statistic says one in, f- in four people suffer from a mental illness. And so if there's 40 people in here, the, the, the truth is, isn't it amazing how math is our friend and we realize that we're not alone anymore? There is hope. And for the most part, over these conversations, I'm going to be talking about depression, and I'm going to talk about anxiety, but the, 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 the spectrum of mental illnesses, it, it stretches far beyond, but just often depression and anxiety go together, so that's going to be kind of the, the target of our conversation. But just to, to name a few others, uh, there's, there's people who deal with schizophrenia, uh, bipolar disorder, ADD, OCD, and, 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 and I'm not an expert in any of these things. I'll just be, okay, so don't, like, look to me for any sort of expertise, but I'm just a guy who's lived with the experiences that I've lived with and I've read some books and I've had some conversations and I've just listened, I've spent most of my life just trying to listen to people. But if there was one definition that I love in the midst of, of, of my studying for the series, uh, there was this one definition of depression that I loved, and we're going to put it up on the screen, and it says this. Depression is the soul's cry for help. In this way, it's a blessing. Depression is an unmistakable signal that something is wrong inside. See, the reality is depression could be something that, it could be your body's way of telling you that there is something wrong on the inside. It could be telling you that you're burnt out or that you're neglecting healthy habits or you're overworking or you're not getting enough rest or you're not eating well. It could be your body saying that in your life there is some unresolved trauma or grief that hasn't been mourned or dealt with yet, or there could be some unforgiveness or bitterness that's eating away at you. It could be that you've become so programmed to think and respond negatively to anything and everything that it's actually having a physical effect on your physical person on you, on your daily routine, on the way that you see things, on the way that you hear things, on the words that you speak. But finally, it could be your body's way of telling you that there, there's just something isn't physically right inside. Your, ba- your brain produces chemicals that your body needs to function, and sometimes those chemicals are off. And so it could be such a wide array of things. It could be a spiritual issue. It could be an emotional issue. It could be a sociological adapted issue, or it could simply be a physical issue. As we, as, as we did so much research and, and, and read so many articles and, and, and medical journal scientists know now that there are mood-related chemicals to, to, that our body produces, such as serotonin and non, non, norepinephrine and dopamine. And, and when your brain produces low amounts, you begin to develop and, and fall into depressive states or depressive episodes. This is com- commonly what people refer to as a, a chemical imbalance. This is what I deal with. I deal with a chemical imbalance. My body doesn't produce enough of something. 
It always produces enough cool, but it doesn't produce enough something to keep me from battling. That was a pro. Thanks, Dad. Um, it's pretty if everybody else laughs, we're, we're cool. But if nobody else laughs, then I need you. So, but appreciate it. Um, but dads are always great for support. Love my dad. But so, there is, so when we deal with issues like we have a chemical imbalance, sometimes the truth is the brain's chemicals are just off. And, and, and here's the freedom of there's nothing you can do about it. There's nothing you could do about it. You can't just whack your head and hope that things just kind of fall into place. And, and sometimes what you've walked through and what you've dealt with is fully beyond your control of producing what, the way that you're feeling. And there should be freedom in that. There should be freedom in knowing, man, this isn't anything other than like having a burst appendix or a broken arm. It's a physical issue that needs to be dealt with. And so if it is a physical issue, here's, here's what I know. That there's not enough jogging. There's not enough exercise, sunlight, rest, positive thinking, praying, or chocolate ice cream that can fix these issues. You may need to see a doctor, and a doctor may need to prescribe a medical solution, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. If your body isn't producing enough insulin, you go and see the doctor. If your appendix bursts, you go and see the doctor. If your arm breaks, you go and see the doctor. If you are dealing with, with uh, I wrote another one, an ulcer, you go and see the doctor. The worst thing that you could do in the midst of these situations is simply keep it to yourself. Man, that person is nursing their arm. Is everything okay? Yeah, it's totally fine. And your arm is like bent a million different ways. Or you're doubled over in pain because you have a burst of pain. But no, I don't, you know, I'm just going to, just, no. You bring these things to light because there are people who know more than me and there are people who know more than you who are equipped and trained to help deal with these situations. And thank God for that. Thank God for that. If you're struggling with depression, if you're struggling and you are battling alone. I want to reiterate once again that you do not need to battle alone. You were never meant to battle alone. But can I encourage you to take the scary first step and just bring it to light? Bring it into the light and you don't have to hide anymore. You don't have to try and convince other people as you try and convince yourself that you're fine. It's fine if you're not fine. There's hope, and there are solutions. Another struggle that's commonly attached to depression is anxiety. Anxiety is a feeling of nervousness about uh, anything, an upcoming event, uh, uh, past events, uh, events that, that don't even exist in, in our realm of reality. And in many ways, anxiety is normal. The body produces and responds healthily in the midst of certain circumstances with anxiety. If you've ever uh, been a, played the piano and you had a recital there's an anxi or, or taken a test or proposed to a girl or said yes to a guy who's proposing to you, uh, or, you, you, know, you or there's something that happens, there's the body's response of healthy anxiety and what healthy anxiety does is it raises our level of awareness and preparation so that we can perform well. Um, I will say every Sunday morning I deal with this anxiety. Because, I mean, I never realized, but 52 Sundays, that's a lot of Sundays in a year. That's a lot of Sundays. It's a lot of hours spent preparing messages. It's a lot of hours studying, researching, changing series on my team at the last minute, which they just love when I do. But I will say this, what happens when I stand over there is that I am dealing with anxiety as I come up and hopefully communicate accurately and, and, and communicate well what God has placed in my heart. What it does is it raises my level of preparation so that I can perform well so that I can produce well what God has called me to do with my life. And see, and, and the reality is once I get up here, the anxiety doesn't live within me because I know in the moment that I step up here to communicate God's word, I'm doing exactly what God has purposed for my life to do. So therefore, the anxiety no longer controls me, but it prepares me to do what I'm supposed to be doing to the best of my ability. When we move into unhealthy anxiety, the anxiety begins to control the person. 
and anxiety begins to control the outlook or the response to certain to, to, to issues. Sometimes there are real issues. Sometimes there are real issues that cause real uh, cause for concern, cause for anxiousness. But then what happens with the, in the midst of unhealthy anxiety or, or life-controlling anxiety is you're not able to move past that fear. You're not able to move past and respond beyond the moment of fear. Uh, and, and, and so I think more often than not, and as, as I've talked to people and as I've listened to stories, I think most often than not, most people have said, yeah, it was just this chemical thing that I had going and I dealt with anxiety and, and not to like under spirits, but they put me on a pill and things were fine. It was, again, a physical reaction to a physical imbalance that people who are trained and educated know how to deal with in a much better way than sometimes I do. If I could, if I could some, if I could just speak really quickly to, you know, um, I want to speak to parents for just a quick second, but you know, I was as I we started the church and as we've been going through this thing, I will say you know like my levels of anxiousness and my my battle through depression have become very, you know again on the forefront and and, and all these different things and and so often, um, you know oftentimes I don't I don't deal with things as as a parent as well as I should uh, I should. Um, Sometimes people deal with anxiety or sometimes people deal with the physical onset of depression based on off the home that they, they grew up in. And oftentimes that's a result of the way that we as parents um, order our home. You know, the, you know, I heard someone tell a joke once that said, uh, you know, parents, we are, what, what we do are the stories that our children will tell their therapists. And, uh, and, 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 and I, you know, what the Lord was really speaking to me as I was like laughing and then kind of like starting to cry and, 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 and just kind of really facing this reality is that as parents, um, when we have such a huge responsibility to create homes of, of safety and learning and, and love and, and my six-year-old should not have to deal with what I deal with. But then how often, just because we don't deal correctly with the things that are dealing to us, do we project that weight and project that on, onto our kids? And, and, and if I could just encourage us as parents just for a moment, and, and, and maybe not courage is the wrong word from what I'm about to say, but challenge us, is can we just, can we step it up? Can we allow our kids to be kids? Can we allow them to grow up with imaginations and not have to worry about college and kindergarten? Can we be their protectors and their guardians and not place a weight on their shoulders that they were never meant to live with or bear? If we don't deal with the issues that we deal with, I guarantee you our kids will. Our kids will deal with our issues. Our kids will deal with our problems. And it's our job to protect them. It's not our job to bum them out because, well, this is what I have to look forward to later in life. Great. Should I sign up for therapy now? Who knows, maybe. I don't know. But, but I want to encourage us. If something isn't right and, so, and, 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 and you're dealing with something, know that you don't have to deal with it alone. Um, for those of you who struggle with depression, who just struggle with the issue of anxiety or, or whatever in the midst of, of the mental health issue that you deal with. Um, I just want to encourage you that, again, there is hope not simply on the other side, but there is hope in the midst of. And whether that is uh, through prayer, whether that's through counseling, whether that's through medication or a combination, what I do know is that you don't have to struggle alone. Bring it to the light and... and, and for And I'll just say, as a person of faith, the rest of my talk is going to be geared around that is our perspective and our outlook and our, our, our approach to these issues as, as people of faith. But um, just a few thoughts. Um, sometimes depression, sometimes anxiety comes from a learned habit of fear over everyday things. Um, 
the conversations that, that I have, the conversations that my wife and I have, I mean, they're very real conversations, but, um, but the conversations that we have, the thing that I have to remember is that these are things that God has already said that he's going to take care of. You know, like the things that I worry about, the things that, that I allow to consume my thoughts and to consume my spirit are things that God already says that he's going to, that he's taking care of when we worry about our kids, we worry about our finances, our health, our house, our job, security, terrorism, whatever it is, we can worry ourselves into a frenzy. We can worry ourselves into a depressed, anxious state that simply because we refuse to put our trust in a God who says, I will deal with it and have dealt with it. See, the reality is, we often refer to it as worry. I'm just going to call it what it is, and it's idolatry. We like to mask our idolatry by calling it worry, by placing our worry higher and bigger than, than who God is. And, and I think it's so funny that the things that we worry about are things that God doesn't worry about at all. Because he's bigger than those things. He's taking care of those things. And as long as we continue not to put our faith in him about the things that we're dealing with, then they'll always have an emotional and physical and psychological and psychological control over ourselves. This is setting you up as God. Establishing, your, establishing yourself on the throne of your life, trying to control everything. And oftentimes, I like to think that I'm a good God. But I suck at being God. I'm really bad at being God. Because it's not my job, it's not my role. But sooner or later, many of us, all of us, will realize in one way or another that we suck at being God. And the moment we realize this, I think the better that we will be in every area of our life, it's, I heard Pastor Rick Warren out in California say this, if it's big enough to worry about, it's big enough to pray about. If it's big enough to worry about, then it's definitely big enough for you to be praying about it. And so I want to give you two very practical steps as we try and land conversation number one of conversation number two, and that is this. Step one is give your life to God. Give your life to God. Don't simply give the pieces that are easy for you to give to God, but give your life to God. He is trustworthy. You can trust him, and with trust comes peace. When you begin to trust in God, the peace of God begins to come over. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Philippians 4, uh, chapter 4, verses 6 through 7 says, Don't worry about anything. I hate that part already. I hate this verse. Because it doesn't say don't worry about some things. It says don't worry about anything. Instead, Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Step one, if we are going to address the issue, if we are going to admit that it's fine to be not fine, but not simply make camp there, but take steps towards healing and wholeness, the step one, first and foremost, is that you have, we, we give our lives to God. But the difficult thing is, when you give your life to God, sometimes depression, sometimes anxiety, they don't, go, they don't just go away when you give your life to God. There are times and circumstances in life that will cause anxiety, that will cause stress, because that's just the human condition. But you're not unspiritual if you experience these things. I want to be very upfront with that. If you have given your life to God, and you still battle through depression, and you still battle with anxiety, can I, can I tell you this? It is, it is not a mark of your lack of spirituality. It is not a signal of your lack of commitment to God or God's lack of commitment to you. We look at the scripture and we look at the story of Jesus before he was uh, arrested and crucified on the cross. And he was distressed in the garden before he was crucified. And it, the scriptures say that his soul overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. We read the story of the disciples that are in the boat in the midst of the storm. And, and they have Jesus in the boat with them. And it's just like, and, 
And Jesus, I love what he said. He goes, I understand why you'd be fearful, but you don't have to fear. See, I know life seems rough now, but you don't have to fear in the midst of it. I know life seems overwhelming now, but you don't have to be overwhelmed. I know there are moments in life when it seems hopeless, but you don't have to give into that hopelessness. There is hope, and there is life, and there is peace, and there is joy in the midst of it. And when we put our faith in God, we will experience the peace of God. And this leads us to step number two, and this is, this is a doozy. We need to learn the difference between what we feel and what is real. I apologize if that rhymed. We have to know the difference between what we feel and what is real. Like I've said before, and you'll probably hear th throughout the life of this church, man, I have dealt with my seasons of depression. I have dealt most of my life and deal most, have dealt most of my life in battle through depression, and I know what it's like to have feelings overwhelm you. I know what it's like to have feelings seem so real that it adjusts the reality in which I live. I understand, and I've had to, but I've had to learn to recognize that even though I feel a certain way, even though the way, even though what I am feeling, and man, feelings are tricky. They are so convincing because you are feeling something. It is affecting you. There is something happening that is causing you to feel a certain way, and, and feelings can be tricky, but it doesn't mean that things are that way. <coughs> we have this conversation with, with my oldest. Um, I hate that she deals with it in first grade, but she is like, no one likes me. No one likes me. And so we sit down, and, and, and she and I have this conversation, and, 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 and at first my initial, th it's like, Taylor, who doesn't like you? One, I'll kill them, and two, they're wrong. You know what I mean? But we go through this process because I want her to understand that in her life there are going to be circumstances and feelings that come up, but those feelings aren't always true. And so we go through some very simple, I just ask some very simple questions. And the questions that, that I ask her are the questions that I'm going to ask you about feelings. What's the source? What's the source of your feeling this way? So we'll go have a conversation. It'll be, well, because someone said this. Okay, so there's your source. Is the source trustworthy? Do they say something like this to make you feel this way to a lot? Of, well, well, yeah. Well, what's the truth? Then we get to dive into the Word of God, and I get to explain to her how God sees her. And because God sees my daughter, a very specific way. That's the way that I see her as her dad. I see that she's beautiful. I see that she's free-spirited. I love that the scriptures say that, 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 that his daughters are jewels in the crown of the king. I love the, descript, the, the beautiful descriptives that God speaks specifically to his daughters in scripture. And then so I speak the things over my daughter. And so, so Taylor, next time someone says that to you, is it a trustworthy source? And if it's not, then what's the truth? And the moment she acknowledges the truth, it's amazing how quickly those feelings go away because those feelings are not her reality. The reality is Taylor's awesome. And if you've ever met her or hung around her for three seconds, you know she's awesome. Like, that's just who she is. That's how God is. But her feelings are so real. Her feelings are so real that it gets her eyes off of the truth, and that's why feelings are tricky. In the midst of the, of, of the darkness and, and a dark season of the soul, in the midst of the storm, what I do know is this, that there is an anchor in the midst of it. We anchor ourselves to God. In the midst of our uncertainty, there is truth. If you are struggling with, man, who, what is the truth of the situation? Man, here's the deal. Don't go to the media. Go to God. Go to God. And he will show you the truth that you can anchor yourself to. You can anchor your life to. There's truth in his word. And when it seems, and there's what seems real, and there's what is real. 
If I could ask the worship team to come up, and I want to illustrate this in one last story. My, my prayer is that this last story would, would encourage you no matter where you're at, no matter what you're dealing with. But it's found in the book of 2 Kings chapter 6. And the story goes like this. The king of Aram is at war with Israel, and the king of Aram keeps trying to trap Israel with his army. And, and the prophet Elisha is, is, is seeking God for the nation of Israel. And as God begins to reveal to Elisha the plans of the king of Aram, Elisha goes to the king and says, this is what he's thinking, this is what he's going to do. And so the king of Israel begins to, 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 to process in response to this trustworthy information. And you can imagine what the king of Aram feels like. He's ticked. He is, he is so upset. I can imagine. He's like, man, there's a leak in my, circle, in, my, in my intimate circle. There's a leak. Someone is leaking information of the people of Israel. Someone is tipping them off about what I'm going to be doing. And, and later, it's come to find out that it's a no king. It's, it's this prophet who hears from God. God gives... Elisha, the exact words to speak at the exact right time. And so the king of Aram begins to explain, well, we need to find this prophet. Because if we begin to find the voice, if we begin to find the voice who speaks into the circumstance, speaks the truth of the circumstance so that the circumstance doesn't turn out the way that I want, but the way that God has intended for it, if we begin to capture him, if we take him out, then what will happen is we'll be able to kind of do what we want. We'll have free reign. And so when the king of Aram finds out where Elisha is, he sends a large armed force there to wipe him out. Most of the Old Testament prophets, prophets came with kind of an apprentice, someone to carry the, the scrolls. We, I would almost consider it almost like a TA. You've got the teacher who walks into class very confident. You've got the stressed out TA who's carrying everything with him. And so one morning, Elisha's servant, Elisha's apprentice, he gets up early one morning and sees that there is an, the army of the king of King Aram has surrounded them. I think I, I, I see it like I see just like this two-person tent and this enormous, almost comical army surrounding this one tent. Can you imagine what's going through the mind of the assistant? See, in certain communities, prophets were seen as celebrities, and I, I'm sure because he's human like I am, it's like, well, man, if I attach myself to that person, then I'm going to be boosted in society. People are going to think I'm rad. I'm probably going to get more followers on Instagram. I'm probably going to get more followers on Twitter. I'm probably going to get more friend requests on Facebook because of who I roll with. This is great. And he wakes up one morning and sees the armies surrounding them. Second Kings chapter 6, starting in verse 15, says this. It says, When the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops Horses and chariots everywhere. Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elisha. Sometimes there's a tendency to match emotion with emotion. Isn't that right? Someone's freaking out. So the next, so we want to match that to freak it out to. I don't know what we're freaking out about. But you're freaking out, so then I'm freaking out. We're just freaking out. I can see Elisha. My mind works in movies. It's very strange. I can see Elisha. I'm going to take my notes down with me so I can finish the verse. Ugh. But I can see Elisha kind of getting up from his mat and propping up his body on one elbow. And just, he just says this, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Elisha told him, for there is more on our side than on theirs. Then Elisha, this is amazing. This is so profound. This will change your life if you let it. But then Elisha went on Facebook 
And he talked about all the issues that he had. And he spewed insecurity. Oh, no. And then he took a picture and he posted it on Instagram. No, it doesn't say that either. He went to Twitter. Who follows Twitter anymore? I'm still on it, but whatever. He went to Twitter and in 160 characters. No. It says that Elisha prayed. Elisha's response to a very real situation was to first and foremost go to a very real God. And that'll change your life. Right there. That could change some of your lives today. Is the situation real? Yeah. Man, the pain of depression is so real. The pain of anxiety is so the pain of living life with a mental health issue or watching somebody you love deal with a mental health issue, it's so overwhelming, I can't even imagine. The things that my wife has seen me go through, the things that my kids have watched me go through, the weight that I've put on them that it was never meant for them to carry. Who is meant to carry the weight? God. God. Because he's bigger. Because he's stronger. Within his hands, the universe was formed. God keeps the seas from going no further than a certain point. I mean, the ocean. I mean, this is God. The, 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 spans of his, the spans of his reality dwarf my small little finite concept of reality. And although the situation facing Elijah and his apprentice was very real, Elijah, with the wisdom and confidence of a man who has been there and through it, gets up on his elbow. I'm not sure, but that's the way the movie plays out in my mind. Gets up on his elbow. And with the confidence of someone who's been there, says, don't worry. Don't be afraid. For there is more on our side than theirs. And then he prays. Go back to the verse, Chelsea. And he prayed, oh Lord, open his eyes and let him see. The Lord opened the eyes of the young, opened the young man's eyes. And when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. There is more on your side than against you because we serve the God of heaven's armies. We serve the ultimate commander. We serve the ultimate captain. The one who commands heaven's armies to come alongside a prophet and his assistant in the midst of a very real circumstance, God showed up in a very real way. And here's the deal. He didn't open the eyes of the people who were after him, but he opened the eyes of the one who feared because then the one who feared was confident in the one that his prophet was confident in. See, you don't need a circumstance change. Can I tell you this first? I'm about to give a preach on real quick. It's, you don't need a circumstance change. You need a perspective change. You don't need a situation to change. You need to allow God to open the eyes of your heart to see that around you, on every side, it may seem hopeless. It may seem painful. It may seem real. And yes, you may need to make a doctor's appointment. And yes, you may need to talk about medication. And yes, you may need to find somebody to pray with you. And yes, you may need to find somebody to talk things out. But my prayer more than anything is that God would open your eyes that in the midst of whatever you are facing, you would see the armies of heaven surrounding your circumstance. Because he is bigger and because he is greater and he is stronger than whatever you face. Psalm 34, verse 4 says this. I prayed to the Lord and he answered me. He freed me from all of my fears. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. 
I'm going to read it again because I just thought it was so good. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. And thank him for what he's done. And you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4.13 says this, For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. For I can do everything. You want to know what that means? If you're dealing with something, it means he's going to give you the strength to pick up the phone and make a phone call. He's going to give you the strength to get up and find someone to pray with you. He's going to give you the strength when you feel like you can't to take one step. And man, that one step is exhausting, isn't it? Isn't that one step just exhausting? But what God's going to do is he's going to give you the strength to do the next one. And then that, that second one is harder than the first. I'm so tired. I'm so tired. dealt so long in the darkness who have dealt so long in shame and fear God who have dealt with depression and anxiety for most of their life for a season God I pray Lord that you would begin to strengthen them from the inside God, to take the steps that they need to take to, to get to healing, to get to wholeness. I'm going to ask every single person with this, to keep your heads bowed, but if you're staff here, if you're on staff, I want to ask you, I want to invite you to come forward this morning and just come up and find a spot in the front. God, I just, I continue to just ask Lord, that you would give them the strength to, to maybe simply acknowledge what they've been dealing with for the first time in a real way. God, I pray that Lord that they would bring, bring whatever it is that they're dealing with, that's dealing with them, God, that you would bring it to, to light. God, that they would know that, that they don't have to hide anymore that they don't have to feel shame anymore, that they don't have to feel like you're distant because, God, you're not distant just because we deal with things. But in the midst of us dealing, God, you are so close. You're so close. God, I pray, Lord, that you would begin to loosen the chains of depression and anxiety and mental illness in this place right now. Holy Spirit, that you would begin to work so specifically and so strategically over hearts and over minds and over circumstances or situations, God, that people have walked in here with. God, I pray, Lord, that freedom would begin to take root in people's lives and in their circumstances, God, in their families. God, that they would begin to feel, God, you lifting them out of the pit. God, you begin to set their feet upon a firm foundation. God, that we would see freedom exist in this place. That you would remind them, would you remind people today that they're not alone, that they are a part of the family of God, and as family, we deal with this stuff together. With heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, I want to ask just two questions. One is this. Have you given your life to God? Where you sit right now, in all honesty, have you given your life to God? God wouldn't want my life. He absolutely wants your life. He's the God who makes miracles out of messes. He's the God who creates testimonies out of tragedy. He's the God who brings hope to the hopeless. 
and peace to the hurting. He's a God who removes hearts of stone and replaces them with hearts that beat. Have you given your life to God this morning? If not, I want to give you an opportunity. It's not by raising your hand. It's not by saying a prayer, but it's that by in the, in the, in the, in the deepest part of yourself, you're like, yeah, I'm honest. I, don't, I haven't given my life to God. If that's you, can I just encourage you to surrender? Can I just encourage you to give up? Can I just encourage you in your own way to say, God, my life is yours? I've had many conversations with God like this. God, I have no idea why you would want my life. And God would say, that's all the reason I want it. Because I can make a message out of your mess. I can bring revival out of your honesty. God, I, if, I don't know why you would want me, but if you want me, fine. I, you, you can have all of me. I gave, I gave my life legitimately to God in a Holiday Inn shower in Rockford, Illinois. Because God was messing me up so bad that the only way I could hide my tears was by turning the shower on. And so I stood fully clothed in the shower, and I said, God, I don't know why you would want it, but if you want it, you got it. Do my problems go away? No. Did my circumstance change? Absolutely. Because I no longer was dealing with what I was dealing with alone. I was dealing with it with God and the armies of heaven on my side, which gave me the strength to take one step. And so in, in whatever way you see appropriate, would you give your heart to God? Would you just invite God into your space? And the second question is this. It's not really a question, it's an invitation. I want to invite you to not deal with what you've dealt with alone anymore. Tim's up here and Chelsea's up here and I'll be up here in a second. Hey, Wayne, would you be cool coming down? Would you be cool coming down? The reason I ask Wayne is because he's walked through this, not as a participant, but as a spectator. My dad is... He knows how to pray a kid through this. This morning, I want to invite you, if you're dealing with this, don't deal with it alone anymore. We would love to have the opportunity to pray with you. Next week, we're going to have resources beyond resources back at our Welcome Center for counseling, for uh, medical profession. We're going to have just resources that you can take. We're still compiling all the people who said yes. It was just really overwhelming because it seemed like everybody I talked to said yes. This is a lot of information, a lot of mail, a lot of pamphlets, and we want to put the right things out in front of the right people. But this morning, this first step is we want to just get the opportunity to pray with you. I'm going to invite everybody to stand. We're going to worship for a little bit. But if you need prayer this morning, if you're dealing with something or you know someone who's dealing with something, again, you don't have to deal with it alone. But if you need to go, feel free to go. Be blessed. Be encouraged. We're going to be continuing this conversation next week. I want to invite you back for that. But as the team leads us, as we just sing a song that we sang already, if you need prayer, we want to pray with you. If you need encouragement, we want to encourage you. Oh, we love you guys. We love you so much. We believe in the plans that God has for your life. And So God, would you just move in this time? Would you just move in this moment? We trust you. We love you. Thanks for loving us the way that you do. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Once again, thank you for listening to the Motion City Church Podcast. We want to be able to walk with you and beside you as you go throughout life. So if you ever have a need for prayer, we want to be able to pray with you. Please email us at motioncityprayer at gmail.com. We would also love to have you join us in person next week. We meet on Sunday mornings at 1030 a.m. at Falwell School of Performing Arts. We hope you have a fantastic week.